0: Due to technical difficulties beyond our control, we're unable to release a new podcast today and for that we do apologize. Today we're going to rebroadcast a very special podcast that we aired back in November of 2021. This is based on the concept of ideological subversion using a Marxist revolution. In it, you're going to hear critical information and insights as well as examples as to compare it to that are happening right in front of all of us. Now why is this important? Well, look at the world we are now in because of it. All the while it's been masquerading as Things like tolerance, equality, inclusiveness, right? No. What that means is, accept what we tell you, or you're deemed non-essential. Or in their terminology, you're counter-revolutionary. This time-honored method of subversion has once again been brought to the surface in a new era. What they cannot do to you physically now, they now do to you digitally if you're not part of their revolution, you're banned, you're demonetized, you're ostracized, you're bankrupted, you're canceled. Now, what's most striking about this type of subversion is the outright using of groups. And what do I mean by that? Groups that may have started as one thing, but have been subverted and taken over by radical revolutionaries, criminals, grifters, and opportunists. What groups might those be? Well, let's take a look. Most recently over the last two years, and going back further than that, our councils of government, the Black Lives Matter movement, the LGBT movement, the conservation movement, the feminist movement, the media, entertainment, social media, corporations, investment firms, banks, the health and sciences, our religious institutions, and our education systems. All of these movements and institutions have been infiltrated and subverted at one level or another. And for what purpose? Well, it's quite simple revolution. Everything and everyone we discuss here involved with this great reset agenda has roots in one common thing, of which the same can be found in every single authoritarian and totalitarian movement throughout the 20th century, Marxism. Your question then becomes how do we fight back against it? Well, the answer to that is very simple. You must first know your enemy. In the West, we've been intellectually and ideologically disarmed to be able to understand and properly comprehend what is actually happening. And as a result, the culture shock, mass hysteria, and the outright churning up of constant fear, stress, and anxiety of the unknown keeps you off balance. However, once you understand this, the strength to resist and to fight back becomes unbelievably powerful, exactly what the so-called elites fear the most. What we can see on the horizon for those of us that understand it now is beyond horrifying. However, it can be stopped and it can be you that stops it. It must be you that stops it. And today we're going to show you how to begin that process. Former KGB defector Yuri Bezmenov lays out the steps to ideological subversion and infiltration in great detail. Please pay very close attention to what this man has to say in his interview from 1984. Very fitting year, isn't it? 1984. The Soviet Union didn't supposedly collapse until 1991. However, Bezmanov had already defected to the West. In this interview is a stark warning from the past about what we're facing now and how to stop it. Below today's podcast on our telegram page will be the full interview with Bezmanov for you to see in its entirety. He explains the promises of the utopia and what happens to those who not only go along with it, but also to those who resisted.
1: we had a collaboration with some chinese com- uh, chinese uh, scientists here we
0: have a vaccine what is the problem get over it what we
2: are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets
1: seriously i'm, I'm making a serious point i don't know what half of them are protesting against you still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the
2: darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't.
0: This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. Good day, Bruce. How are you? Healthy and alive, yeah. Fantastic. I'm good. I'm good. Um, I have to say that I was was incorrect yesterday, at least on the surface at the moment. I was incorrect. I said that I was expecting exactly what happened on November 3rd. Hey, today's November 3rd. Huh. I was expecting exactly what happened on November Mm -hmm. 3rd a year ago to happen on November 3rd today. But it didn't happen. I'm not quite sure why. But you know what? Just to, just to stay consistent, and I truly believe this. I was telling this to Bruce as we came in today. I said, you know what I want? I, I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy that the election turned out in Virginia. I'm happy it turned out the way that it did. And of course, you had various other candidates win in, uh, in other states by very large margins, I might add. Uh, as a matter of fact, there was a there was a trucker that won a uh, Senate president seat uh, in another state, and he only spent two hundred dollars on his campaign. Uh, it's it's funny, <laughs> isn't it?
2: That's so American. It, it is. Yeah.
0: It is. Well, good on them. Yeah. See, good on him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Good, yeah, good yeah. on. him.
0: Uh, but yeah. it, that happened, and then of course there was an AOC backed socialist that was running for mayor in the city of Buffalo, New York, and that person lost to a write-in. <laughs> For those that don't know, for those that are listening outside of the United States, you can write candidates in, but you have to do it on election day when you vote. You can't do it any other time. It has to be that day. And that person won over the socialist-backed candidate of AOC. So yeah, it's yeah, that's that's totally American. But anyway, here's the How thing. How you used to vote back in the day was actually, write-ins. Yeah, it was, it was write-ins. I like it. Uh, here, mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I'm happy that these elections turned out the way they did. But you know what I want? I'm not just going to com- consider this to be some victory and then just walk on and say, yeah, yeah, too bad, blah, blah, blah. I want an audit. And I'm dead serious. I want an audit. Let's let's seal it up. Let's prove it. I want an audit. I want to make sure that all those people that were voted in are actually supposed to be
2: voted in. One side as or the other, example, I don't care. As an example, in Virginia, McAuliffe received the majority of his votes by mail-in ballot. And it's not clarified whether it's mail-in. Or it's early, uh, not early um, absentee. It's not clarified if it's absentee or mail in, um, because you know how they were—they were lumping it in, saying absentee and mail in are the same thing when they are clearly not the same thing. They're very different. Absentee, you have to request, and uh, mail in, you just—they just mass send them out. So I, I do want to go over those numbers and see and and see if audit it, see if you can match a. Uh, voter that's registered to the names that are there and same thing with the re- the republican you know every every one of those votes can we match it up let make sure there's no funny business on either side so that neither side can say well you cheated no it, it's clear that this person was fully elected so yeah i'm i'm 100% on board with that it sh- that it needs to be audited We need to audit every single election that we have. It needs to be looked into to verify that there is a registered voter for every vote that comes in and you can match them up.
0: Virginia, they tried to pull some funny business last night about 1030. The uh, Democrats said, well, no, 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 uh, we we have to we have to recount uh, the mail in. uh, or or What was it? The, The early votes. We have to recount those. They missed the deadline to count them. And so they said, oh, no, no, we have to recount them. No. You've already counted them once. You don't get to recount them again. You don't get to rescan them again. When they started saying that, everyone was kicking off saying, You're not going to recount those votes. You've already counted those. You're
2: not mm-hmm. recounting those again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that right there uh, is why this election went down the way it did, is because they did close the doors and say, We're done. Uh, because of that, I, I think that's why we have who we have, which is why I want to go through and audit everything to ensure that all votes were properly counted and that, you know, everything's on the up and up. Mm -hmm.
0: They, uh, they took some heavy losses last night. Uh, so they're not very happy. Uh, there were several conversations that took place
2: on various networks, but first, before we get to that, yeah, go ahead. Just if, if we go off the exit polling, just real quick, all, all the Democrats should be satisfied with this election because, um, uh, it, it it was like 40 some percent i don't have the number exactly in front of me but it was 40 some percent of the voters said that they are confident that their votes will be accurately counted and of that percentage it was something like 80 85% of those were democrats so Clearly, the Democrats should uh, be just fine with how the election turned out.
0: Uh, We'll we'll get to that here in just a second. But before we do, we'll we'll see how fine they are today. But before we do, I want to go to this uh, this clip here of the new lieutenant governor of the state of Virginia. Now, who is a African-American woman, by the way, who is a gun toting? african-american woman who is a veteran as well i believe she was i believe she served in the marine corps very stand-up lady take a listen to what she had to say last night after the votes were in and they were declared the winning ticket
1: so i say to you victory indeed but I, i say to you there are some who want to divide us and we must not let that happen They would like us to believe we are back in 1963 when my father came. We can live where we want. We can eat where we want. We own the water fountains. We have had a black president elected not once but twice, and here I am, living proof. In case you haven't noticed,
2: I am black and I have been black all my life.
0: I didn't hear the mainstream media giving her any praises uh, after that uh, speech. Did you? I I didn't catch that Mm -hmm. on MSNBC anywhere. Mm -hmm. Didn't see that. She's a white supremacist,
2: you see, so. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> right, right. Isn't it amazing how they just, they, they literally flip that around on itself. That is unbelievable.
2: I, I, I will say I'm actually very surprised that Virginia went the way it did. Part of me is surprised and part of me is, isn't. I guess I should be honest because got three counties, you got three counties there that are the problem.
0: Like if you if you were to look at the yeah. state in any in any general election, if you look at the state of Virginia, it is blood red, just yeah. like Kentucky, yeah. just like Kentucky. Yeah. You've got three counties that are the problem.
2: Yeah. But the the, the reason I, I, I when you look at the the exit polling and everything, um, it, it's it's really shocking at tech. As to how divided both sides are like, it's almost like a mirror there. There's not much mixing of, of like, it, it's not down, uh, down the middle. It's not like a 50 50, right? It, it's literally like when you, when you get to a, a Democrat, uh, principal, or, or something that their platform stands on, you have like 95% of them supporting that. And then when it's red, it's like 93, 95%. Like it's the same on either direction. It is crazy how divided it is. But I think where they met was uh, education. I think that's where the lines crossed. When when McAuliffe was saying, you have no right to be in schools, uh, you know, to have any part of what your kids are taught. I think both left and right were like, hold up. This, these are our kids. You're messing with our kids now. And I think that's where I, I think that's where the line was drawn. So you still had some of those Democrats going uh, that that that's the line. And I think I think that's what 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 done them in.
0: I also think that'll be the uh, the line on the vaccines, too, as well, to be honest. I think the five to 11 year olds, once that starts kicking off, uh, you're going to have you're going to have a, a, a really nasty revolt on your hands. Uh, OK, but let's get to the triggered media. Last night, this was we've got several clips to get to here. This was just it was this was hilarious. So, here's what we're gonna do today: we're gonna talk about Exactly what you just said. We're going to talk about the education aspect of it because it goes to a larger point. And we'll get to the larger point after we get through these clips of the mainstream media because we've got a lot of discussion uh, that's going to be happening today. And we've got a lot of audio that you're going to hear today. This plays a key part in what we're going to discuss at the end. And by that, I mean, we're going to talk today about ideological subversion, what it takes for this type of agenda to be played out in a country that you're trying to conquer. Marxism is the conquering force here. That's what this is all about. They're trying to indoctrinate the youngest generation here. That's what everything was about. As you said, it was about education, left and right. They decided, OK, we're going to come together because these are our kids, and we're going to be taking a, a stance on what's going to be taught to our kids. So straight into the mainstream media, clip number one.
2: I think we know the answer to some of this. I watched Glenn Youngkin's interviews on Fox News, and he did nothing that Claire... He did not... I mean, he worshipped at the altar of Donald Trump on Fox News. He flew an insurrection flag at his rallies. He simply didn't <laughs> play dumb about a, 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 a Zoom rally. He did not really put much distance between himself and Donald Trump on the big lie or the deadly insurrection in which police officers were maimed by flagpoles. So deadly I think that the, the real ominous thing is that critical race theory which isn't real, turned the suburbs 15 points to the Trump insurrection endorsed Republican. What do
1: Democrats do about that?
0: The Trump insurrection
2: endorsed Republican.
0: A critical race. It doesn't exist. It it doesn't exist. You
2: hear this? And the insurrection that that had law enforcement officers made by flags.
0: Deadly insurrection. They were they were maimed by flagpole's
2: by flagpoles yeah um uh, so they think you're stupid apparently they, they think the viewership is stupid and it knows nothing because well quite frankly what, what,
3: what
0: is, anybody that would watch that i, I mean i'm just saying sorry yeah. go ahead
2: it's just so stupid what they're saying that it, it, critical race theory doesn't exist um i'm sorry what's the 1619 project um uh, I'm, I'm i'm sorry why Do we have to pay attention to race now? Why are you why is uh, everything being taught in a racial lens that our forefathers were slavery or slave owners and they were for slavery when in fact they abolished slavery? We were the first country to abolish slavery in the world. Why is that not pointed out that, yes, the founders did have uh, slaves because it was an inherited law or an inherited uh, because of uh, the British, right? We weren't able to get rid of them at the time. It took us a few years to get it solved. You know, you had what 11 of the 13 colonies were saying, yeah, slavery's bad, but we'll deal with that after we deal with the British. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. I, I, it, the, the arguments are exactly that it's Marxist. This is just them trying to create uh, have a Marxist takeover. Yep. They have to destroy the history. Yep.
0: It's the it's the it's that subversion. And you heard you heard the new lieutenant governor of the state of Virginia says you've got these people that are trying to divide us says this is not the 1960s. We're not divided. Or we're together on this. And she's absolutely right. We're not divided. There are those that want us to be divided as a nation. But I really don't think we are. I think you've got a fringe lunatic element in there like you're going to hear more of in the next clip we've got coming up. Joy Reid on MSNBC talking about again CRT.
3: And the exit poll showed that... that (laughs) which was interesting that the coronavirus or that the virus it was a very it has low not importance to many yes. of the voters which there was it was education right. which is yeah. code for white parents don't like the idea of teaching uh. about race and i mean unfortunately what? race is just the most palpable tool in the toolkit used to be of the democratic party back right. in the day when there were dixiecrats and now of the republican party it just is powerful
2: i don't dis- i don't disagree with that but i also think that you know the other thing that happens here is just the thermostatic public opinion which which is a term coined by a political scientist. Uh, I'm curious.
0: uh wh- Why doesn't he disagree with that? Why isn't he taking her to the uh, uh, to the to the ideological uh, woodshed here and saying, listen, here, these are all the areas you're wrong
2: on because she's black. You oh, can't what? do that so on that TV we're, network. We're, oh, for God's God. sake. So we're playing identity politics. Uh, OK, yes, it's MSNBC. No. I mean, you can't fair, do that kind of fair, nonsense. Fair. Yeah. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm being facetious coming from the MSNBC's perspective, but it's code. Yeah, it's code for it's our kids. Yeah, like we decide what they learn. It's our kids, not yours. The state get out of our lives, kind of a scenario. Um, but as I said, um, it was uh, God, what McAuliffe said. Uh, your kid, you you don't have any right in you know deciding what your kids are taught. His campaign signs. His campaign signs.
0: Vote for McAuliffe. Keep the parents out of our classrooms. That's not a good campaign slogan. There, Terry, it's it's not a good campaign slogan.
2: Yeah. And what she was saying there about COVID and all that kind of stuff. By by the way, Joy Reid's racist herself. Uh, If you listen to her arguments, she keeps Uh pointing at race over and over and over, saying, well, Republicans are pointing at race. No, Republicans don't care about your race. What we care about is your merits. As a business owner, you don't care about someone's color of skin. What you care about, can you do the job? Which... Now, because of this environment they're creating, they want us to pay attention to skin. But to their point about the COVID stuff, uh, when you look at the exit polling, only 18% of voters were concerned about COVID. COVID is not
0: an issue to anybody that's paying attention. That's not an issue. They're more concerned about what their kids are being taught. Now, COVID, t- to be fair, COVID has been... And the economy. Well, in the economy, yeah. Uh, but COVID has been... It, it's been a double edged sword when it comes to education, meaning, yeah, it took the kids out of school. It put the parents in a jam, but it forced them to do online learning where the parents then got to look into the classrooms. So it, it was a um, what, what's the what's the phrase I'm looking for? I, I, I can't I can't think of it right off the top of my head. It's one of those uh, one of those things. It's like an inconvenient thing that just happens and it works in your favor kind of stuff.
3: Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, it, it's, mm-hmm.
0: it's it's like that. Uh, I the, the yeah, phrase, a blessing in disguise, a blessing in disguise. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. That's it. <laughs> uh and that's that's what it was that's what it was but but you see this type of thing this type of rhetoric that was used by uh what was his name Th- this type of rhetoric that was used by people like him to gain these big uh these big wins on uh on November uh, November 2nd last night this is dangerous rhetoric According to Joy Reid, this this is dangerous rhetoric that's going to get people hurt. Listen to this.
3: They would have to be willing to say what you have said on your show. I think we've all said a version of it. You have to be willing to vocalize that these Republicans are dangerous, that this isn't a party that's just another political party that disagrees with us on tax policy, that at this point, they're dangerous. They're dangerous to our national security because stoking that kind of soft white nationalism eventually leads to the hardcore stuff it leads to the january 6th stuff because if people are tolerant of it in your party they're tolerant of the soft racism it's a really short trip to get to the january 6th insurrectionist place and we're not-
0: okay all right so let me let me just let me understand this so anybody that disagrees with their ideological position then you're dangerous that's how it is because that's Marxism one and an insurrectionist and an insurrectionist that leads to this yep. white nationalist stuff that doesn't exist that happened on January sixth that was a deadly riot that wasn't anything.
2: So uh, I'm I'm curious if that is the hardcore stuff, quote unquote, insurrection. Do they consider last year's summer of love? Do they consider that soft racism? Do they consider that soft white supremacy? Uh, I'm 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 confused what they're considering because. Last year, we've seen over $2 billion in damages, thousands of police officers. It was something like four or 5,000 more police officer injuries last year than the previous year, um, which we were supposed to be all locked down, mind you, because of the pandemic. I, I kind of fail to see how that is not any worse or, or, or that is better than the insurrection? I I, 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 don't, I don't understand. Like, the insurrection was far worse when, what was it, like five police officers were injured? You had one person was killed by police officers? I, I, I failed to see how that was an insurrection. Last year was an insurrection. The Summer of Love was an insurrection. Chas Chop. That was an yeah, insurrection. That was an insurrection.
0: <laughs> that was an actual insurrection. Where people were murdered and sexually assaulted.
2: Yeah, rape, murdered. There was uh yeah. Uh, that's just, multiple uh, that's, multiple cases we heard about. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. So I, I know as painful as, as it is to to sit here and to and to listen to this, this is the triggering of the group that wants to block people up and divide people. There's a reason we're playing this. You'll understand why as soon as we finish with them. There is a reason. The next clip we have here, again, Joy Reid. This apparently she was the she was the star of the evening. She was she had center stage there at the on the on the stage. You saw it, yeah. Apparently she was hosting that evening, and of course it had to be her who was the water carrier for uh, for all of this uh, this divisive talk last night. Again, this is her on Thomas Jefferson.
3: It takes the exhausted. You know, voter who wants to vote on what is fundamentally a racist idea, right? That you cannot teach the truth about Thomas Jefferson. You must give encomiums to Thomas Jefferson in school. Otherwise, that's critical race theory. If you even talk about enslavement, that's critical race theory. Anything that makes a white parent uncomfortable is critical race theory. And you're absolutely right. He's been very subtle and very slick. That Tony Morrison ad was too much of a blunt hammer. Mm-hmm. But everything he did up to then, I totally agree with you. He's found a way to launder a pretty racist trope. This idea that we. Can't cannot talk about America's history because it hurts my feelings. He's turned that into a campaign. And I think what Democrats have to worry about is if he succeeds Mm. and he wins, that is going to be the campaign model for every single Republican that's running in 2020. Well, I think, I mean, even if Youngkin comes close and doesn't win, it still will be. I mean, to have the Fox News Channel, our friends at the Fox News Channel, building their programming, particularly the primetime programming around this for months, they're building a campaign platform for conservative candidates to run on it everywhere, even though it's not actually it's not taught real. anywhere, even though it's not a real thing. Yeah. I mean, that, there's, not there's nothing you could pay for in any campaign that would equal the kind of free help you'd get from that sort of conservative media. Just fire.
0: Uh-huh. Now, see, it's, it's not real. But again, I, I, thought that, I thought that according to the other host there, I, that we listened to before, I thought that critical race theory doesn't even exist.
2: It's not even real. Right, right. Yeah, it's not a real thing. Uh, by the way, I'm curious, what are they saying is the truth behind Jefferson there? If you notice, they brought forth a bunch of different buzzwords and talking points, but gave you no facts, no information to support their buzzwords or their statements. It, it, there, there's nothing there. There's no content. All that was is just filler BS to try to gen up emotional response. It was nothing there. And again, it's part of that division. It's part of blocking people up. It's part of
0: dividing people. That's their only play here. As you said, it was filler, it was nothing, it was meant to just create that facade of just, uh, well, here are our talking points, we sound like fake intellectuals, and or informed intellectuals, when actually we're fake intellectuals, and, and all the rest of it. And again, who really watches this? Look at the ratings of these networks, this is precisely why they are in the toilet. No one listens to this crap. The people that voted last night in America voted no on this type of rhetoric,
2: this type of rhetoric. Yeah, I mean... These networks are failing so badly. Donald Trump actually propped them up during his presidency. I think these these networks would have been far worse off had they not had a Donald Trump to constantly rail against. They
0: don't know what to do now. They're they're in a tailspin because they don't know what to do. They had four years of hating Donald Trump and nothing else. And now that he's gone, they don't know what to do.
2: Yeah, he was interesting about all this. What's interesting about all this is. Okay. So as we said, they were railing against Donald Trump and that's all you've seen in the media was Donald Trump, Donald Trump, Donald Trump. They weren't talking about their policies, their ideas, their agendas. They weren't talking about that. Now that's all they had to talk about. Now all they had to talk about is their policies, their ideas, their agendas, and how Republicans are evil and bad. And, And if you notice... Uh, if this is any sign of what happened in Virginia, if this is any sign of what the country is feeling as a whole, this should be a warning sign to the Democrats saying we're tired of your leftist Marxist BS. So, I mean, I don't know the the exit polling doesn't really support that idea uh, fully. Uh, the exit polling shows that um, uh, it is split down party lines uh, almost, almost perfectly. I mean, we're in the 90 percent margin area. Um, it's literally like um it, one of the one of the things on there was um should we get rid of uh confederate uh statues that was one of the exit polls
0: yeah there and, was something else the, to to that point there was something else uh, they said that earlier the the, the first clip he played this youngkin he he was flying an insurrection flag at one of his rallies what
2: is an insurrection no. flag please i'm i'm going to shoot from the hip and say it's probably a gadsden flag gadsden flag okay all right yeah that that's what i'm i'm guessing um, but the exit polling uh, uh, on the statues, um, if you if you look at it, it was 88 percent, I believe. Uh, we'll say 90 percent for for the ease of it. Democrats said, yes, we should remove the statues. And Republicans were like, no, this is history. We should leave it. So it's it's party line. This this Marxist stuff is is right down the party line Yeah. Um, where there's some it was it was almost like 40, 40, uh, roughly like 45, 45 on both sides. And then you had the, the other, what what would that be, like 10%? That was like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 10%, 15%. Usually you have
0: the I don't cares in there and all the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, last clip of Joy Reed talking. This is before they knew that Yunkin was going to uh, to be declared the, uh, the winner. This is where they were still. It was too close to call. He was up, what was it, like 54% to 47%. They said, oh, it's too close to call. No, we, <laughs> yeah. we, can't, we can't call. It's too close to call. Uh, this is her on that.
3: I think he was being subtle and being really tricky and slick until he dropped that Tony Morrison ad. Yeah. The Tony Morrison ad might have been, he might have gone, that might have been the point at which he went too far. A lot of the people who heard the ad on his, that were sort of his maybe voters, maybe didn't even know who Tony Morrison was. Mm. But I promise you black people know who Tony Morrison was. We grew up on her. Anybody who's my age or even a little bit younger, we read her in high school. she She's the reason I wanted to be a writer. This is somebody who is beloved among black people and particularly people who say education is important. That's why that question, I don't know what it means. If you're saying education is the most Uh, important issue, you might be a black voter who says I'm defending Great literature <laughs> and defending Toni Morrison, and I don't like the idea that Yunkin wants to be a governor that would purge those books. What's next? The biography of Dr. King purge? is W. E. B. Du, du Bois next. I mean, Dr. King said America might go to hell. Are we going to erase any of his, you know, his more um, start- sort of robust commentary on America? Is that what? not going to be taught? Trust and believe. He took that so far mm. that he probably animated some African American voters too. Mm.
0: I'm, I'm sorry. Who who said that we were book burning here?
2: Actually, uh, I, am a, I, I am a book burner, but it's specifically one type of book that encourages racism. But at the same time, I don't want to burn those books because I want those books. I, I want that history. I want that milestone and in, 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 I want that marker there. I don't want to remove it. So it, it's kind of like if we were going to burn any books as Republicans, it'd be like Mein Kampf, for example. Yeah, but we're not for burning it because we need to know. Yeah. We need history to to have the marker. This is what the this lunatic was like. This is what his actual thoughts were. Same thing with some of these books that I consider to be very racist like the 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 racist baby or the uh what was the, the there's a couple of them that this one dude has written that is absolutely racist and trying any, to teach our kids any any to be by racist. David Duke, I guess you could throw that in there. Uh, David no, this is a black guy that's that's written. Oh. Up. Oh, it's that Abram X character that this professor. Yes, that's yeah. it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he He's the one that's writing these racist books that are meant for your kids. And it's teaching your kids to see everything through a lens of racism. This is a bunch of nonsense. That's trash. People it, don't need to be reading that. No.
0: If you're writing children's books, especially if you if you're uh, if you're of the age of like 7 you have to look at it through the lens of what they're trying to do they're trying to go after specifically the ones that are 7 years of age and younger why specifically those and this is th- this is not something that I'm too well versed in i've heard clinical psychologists talk about this before and that's the only way that i'm able to even understand anything like this you have something called theta waves in your brain those are part of your brainwave patterns you don't really understand what you're learning prior to the age of seven because your brain hasn't developed fully with those theta wave patterns. So therefore, your brain is moldable. Your thought patterns are moldable. You are malleable. They can twist and turn and, and confuse your way of thinking into whatever they need. This is why they go after children. This is why this, the, the Marxist movement tries to ideologically subvert your children in the education system, especially at such a young age. That's why we're seeing all of it, this CRT and the, the common core stuff and this sexual, uh, sexualization of your, uh, of your preteens. That's why you're seeing mm-hmm. all of that. It's all part of the same
2: agenda. Grooming and all of that. The, the thing, the human race has been like, we've known this for a very long time. Proverbs talks about this in the Bible uh, that you raise a child in the way he should go, he or she should go. When they reach adulthood, they will not stray far from that. It's kind of the same agenda here. The same mindset is that you teach a child coming, you know, in those formative years and the directions they should go, they will, they will adhere to that. They will stay to that. They won't go far from that. It's like a foundation point, if you will. So this is very like, I, I don't, I don't know that the parents really fully understand that that's like. A very crucial point in time for your kids is, is those learning years, right? Up till, honestly, it's very important from one till 20. That, that's a really important time in a, in a human's life. That, that's formulating what they will be for the rest of their life. So uh, why we're handing them over to the government to be government pawns, it baffles me. Why, why aren't you homeschooling them? Or at least doing pods or something, you know, something that you have more control over instead of just handing them off to the government. I understand that you have a job and everything, but I personally did homeschooling, especially with all the technologies we have now. Uh, schooling for me was like, what, 15 years ago or something like that. It's so much easier now to homeschool your kids. They they had programs and stuff that I could use uh, on a laptop back then. Uh, to, to educate myself, if I struggled with anything, I'd had access to teachers or uh, the material itself. And I, I you know, I, I was mostly self-taught during those years. But my point is there's so many other options nowadays that it makes homeschooling easy or, or easier at least. Then you can instill the morals. You can instill uh, what you believe is, is the education they need uh, to, to, to be a functioning member of society. You're equipping them for the future. Uh,
0: I get what you're saying. One to 20. Okay. I I, I can go with that. I can go with that. I'm also a firm believer in the fact that I don't think people should vote until they're age 35, but Hey, you know, who who am I? Because I don't think that people can make an informed responsible decision about their elected officials until they're age 35. That's just me. That's just me. Uh, But we, we can go back and forth on that. We can talk about military age and all that stuff, but that's not the focus today. The focus today is ideological subversion of our way of life and more specifically your children and the up and coming generations in the education system. We talked about the elections and we played those clips of the mainstream media to prove to you exactly what is happening in America and in the West. This is not subject to just the United States, but in the West. We're all under an asymmetric fight from the same people with one common cause, and that's the common cause of, under the umbrella of Marxism that's coming to you in the name of fairness, equality, social justice, no racism, yeah? No, no, one, no one wants to be called or, or associated with, uh, uh, with anything that, uh, that has to do with anything that's divisive like that so it shuts down the argument it allows them to assert a viewpoint onto you that goes unchallenged and then they can continue on with other points as they're doing as
2: you heard if someone uses that argument against you like you're you're a white supremacist or you're a racist or something like that and you're you're making legitimate common sense arguments that person is not worth your time move on i agree i agree but I think
0: one of the largest things that we've missed here in the West, and the reason that we're in this position is because we haven't heeded the calls over the last 30 years, at least, I would say longer, but over the last 30 years at least, of the signposts that we've been passing. After the end of the war in 1949, 1950, after the war was over... It took a while for that wall to go up. And I mean the Berlin Wall. Everybody knows the Berlin Wall, that Iron Curtain. It took a while for that to go up. But once it did, the Cold War ensued. And the biggest enemy of the West, not just the United States, that w- although that was their biggest target because we were propping the West up, because Europe had been devastated. But the Cold War ensued and it became about ideological subversion. You had people from the Soviet Union come over into what was West Germany at the time, and they decided that they were going to start building cells here in the West, in Western Europe, to try and subvert the way of life that was rebuilding itself here. Because the fight right after the Marshall Plan, that's what the Marshall Plan was all about when we were rebuilding Europe. That's what it was about. The wall went up. Okay, you're going to have uh, the, uh, the brilliance of socialism and the, and the socialist uh, Soviet Republic. They're going to show you how to build things. They're going to show you capitalists how to build things. Well, the capitalists on the other side of the wall, they were rocketing upwards in their production. So you had people come over, you know, snuck their way in or whatever, however you want to call it, to try and establish cells here in the West. First thing that they noticed was, uh, hang on a minute, Um, all of your workers are happy. Everyone has jobs. Everyone has food. Everyone has a place to live. Uh, This Marxist revolution isn't going to work. So they had to rethink as to what they needed to do. And at the time, we had organizations such as the HUAC Committee which was the House Committee on Un-American Activities. And what it was, it was a congressional group that was designed to question people that were known to have communist ties. Now, you can call that a political witch hunt. The problem was we didn't have the knowledge at the time to know exactly what those people were being accused of. The funny thing about the HUAC committee was the people that were called before it, I'm talking about Hollywood people, I'm talking about educators... Uh, the academic types, media people, all the rest of it—they were called before that committee, and they were made to answer in front of the House Un- House Committee on Un-American Activities, the media, and the American people. It was broadcast, and this is where you had people like Senator McCarthy—not the current Senator McCarthy, but you know the McCarthy era, McCarthyism, right? All, all that stuff. You know, are you now, or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? That kind of stuff. The funny thing was. When they had all of the Hollywood celebrities and all of the directors and everybody, when they had all of those people sitting up there on that panel, none of them denied it. But we didn't have the knowledge as to the depth of how bad the infiltration was at the time. And we're talking back in the 50s and 60s here. We didn't have the knowledge. We wouldn't know that until later on in the 90s when the Soviet Union collapsed We were able to finally get our hands on what were known as the Venona Papers. I've mentioned them on these podcasts before. They're freely available. I would encourage anyone to go out and look at them. The Venona Papers. You can look them up and you can see all of the people that were documented by the Soviet government and the KGB at the time as to who they had compromised, not just in the 50s and 60s, going all the way back to the Roosevelt administration and even further. They put their people in key positions to cause subversion. They separate people. They divide people. They group people up. And then they demonize the oppositions. They drive wedges and create problems where there otherwise wouldn't be any. This is where you also get the snitch society. We've seen the snitch society. Now, I'm just asking, have we seen the separation? Just on that point, have we seen the separation in the West? Have we seen the separation? Have we seen the division? Have we seen the grouping up of people? Have we seen the turn-ins? People not wearing masks? People not following directions? Does that sound just about like what they would do to ideologically subvert your country? Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that this is all the Russians. Of course not. Of course not. You have to also remember, the Soviet Union collapsed, right? Right. Well, we're still seeing the agenda. Where is it coming from? Well, I can only think of one giant country on this planet that calls themselves a communist country, can't you? Starts with a C. They infiltrate key areas. The media, education, entertainment. Specifically, they get you into those methods, and then they can twist your way of thinking. Of course, now with technology, they've been able to run wild with it. They love to create crises They love to create states of emergency. Then, of course, you've got things like critical race theory, the masks, vaccines. All that's become political and divisive, hasn't it? All of it. So we're going to start with the first clip here of Yuri Bezmanov. Yuri Bezmanov was a KGB defector he was interviewed well he was debriefed in Greece by the CIA back when he defected but this is another interview he gave in the early 80s I want to say it was 1981 eight, 19, uh, 1981 to 1983 the the dates are the, the dates are a little confusing however at the end of this underneath of this podcast when we post this podcast in our telegram channel we're going to put the full interview of Yuri Bezmanov with G Edward Griffin it's going to be there an hour long. I would encourage you to watch it. We don't have time to play all of it and we are going to run over today, but it's worth it. It is worth it to listen to what this man had to say. He said this in the early 80s, in the early 80s. And of course, we're this far down the road. We're almost 40 years down the road from that. Ask yourself, are we exactly where he said we were going to be?
1: Most of these people were divided roughly into groups, those who would tow the Soviet foreign policy, they would be promoted to the positions of power through media and public opinion manipulation. Those who refused the Soviet influence in their own country would be character assassinated or executed physically come revolution same way as in the small town of Hue in South Vietnam. Several thousands of Vietnamese were executed in one night when the city was captured by Viet Cong for only two days. And American CIA could never figure out how could possibly communists know each individual where he lives, where where to get him, and would be arrested in one night, basically in, in some four hours before dawn, put on a van, taken out of the city limits and shot. The answer is very simple, long before communists occupied the city, there was extensive network of informers, local Vietnamese citizens, who knew absolutely everything about people who are instrumental in public opinion, including barbers and taxi drivers everyone who was sympathetic to the United States was executed. Same thing was done under the guidance of of the Soviet embassy in Hanoi and same thing I was doing in New Delhi. To my horror, I discovered that in the files where people were doomed to execution, there were names of of pro-Soviet journalists with whom I was personally friendly. They were idealistically minded leftists who uh, made several visits to USSR and yet the KGB decided that come revolution or drastic changes in political structure of india they will have to go why is that because they, they know too much mm-hmm. simply because you see the useful idiots the the leftists who are idealistically believing in the beauty of soviet socialist or communist or whatever system when they get disillusioned, they become the worst enemies. That's why my KGB instructors specifically made the point: never bother with leftists. Forget about these political prostitutes. Aim higher. This was my instruction. Try to get into into. Uh, large circulation, established conservative media, rich filthy rich movie makers, intellectuals, so-called academic circles, cynical egocentric people who can look into your eyes with angelic expression and tell you a lie. These are the most recruitable people. People who lack moral principles, who are either too greedy or too uh, suffer from self-importance. Uh, they feel that uh, they they matter a lot. Uh, these are the people who kgb wanted very much to recruit your leftists in in united states all these professors and all these beautiful civil rights defenders they are instrumental in the process of the of the uh, uh, subversion only to destabilize the nation when their job is completed they are not they are not needed anymore they know too much some of them when, when they get disillusioned, when they see that Marxist-Leninists come to power, the, obviously they get offended, they think that they will come to power, that will never happen of course, they will be lined up against the wall and shot. But they may turn into the most bitter enemies of Marxist-Leninists when they come to power, and that's what happened in Nicaragua, you remember most of these uh, former Marxist-Leninists were either put to prison or one of them split and now he's working against Sandinistas. It happened in, in uh, Grenada when Maurice Bishop, was, he was already a Marxist. He was executed by, by a new Marxist who was more Marxist than this Marxist. Same happened in Afghanistan when uh, first there was Taraki, he was killed by Amin, then Amin was killed by Babrak Karman with the help of KGB. Same happened in, in Bangladesh when Mujibur Rahman, very pro-Soviet leftist, was assassinated by his own... Marxist-Leninist military comrades. It's the same pattern everywhere. The moment they serve their purpose, all the useful idiots are used either be executed entirely, all the idealistically minded Marxists, or were exiled or put in prisons, like in Cuba. Many many former Marxists are in Cuba. I mean in prison. So. Most of the Indians who were cooperating with the Soviets, especially without uh, uh, the Department of of, uh, Information of the USSR Embassy, were listed for execution. Uh, and when I discovered that fact, of course I was sick, I was mentally and physically sick. I thought that I, I'm going to explode one day during the briefing at the ambassador's office. I would stand up and say something that we are basically a bunch of murderers. That's what we are. We, it has nothing to do with friendship and understanding between the nation and blah, blah, blah. We are murderers. We behave as a bunch of thugs in, in a country which, which is hospitable to us, a country which, which with ancient traditions. But I, I, I did not defect. I tried to get the message across to my horror. Nobody wanted even to listen, least of all to believe what I had to say. And I tried all kinds of tricks. I would, I would, I would uh, leak information through letters uh, or lost documents or something like that. And still I got no message. Uh, the message was not published even in the conservative mass media of, of India. The immediate impulse to defect was Bangladesh crisis, which was described by American correspondents as Islamic grassroots revolution, which is absolute baloney. Uh, There was nothing to do with Islam and there was no grassroots revolution. Actually, there are no grassroots revolutions period. Any revolution is a byproduct of a highly organized group. Uh, of conscientious and professional um, um, organizers, but it has nothing to do with grassroots. In Bangladesh, it was nothing with grassroots. Most of the uh, Avami League party members, Avami League means People's Party, uh, were trained in Moscow in the high party school. Most of the Mukti Fauj leaders, Mukti Fauj in Bengali means People's Army. Same as SWAPO and and all kind of liberation armies all over the world, the same bunch of useful idiots. They were trained at Lumumba University and various centers of the KGB in Simferopol, in, in Crimea and in Tashkent. So when I saw that India, Indian territory is being used as a, as a jumping board to destroy East Pakistan, I saw myself thousands of, of so-called students traveling through India to East Pakistan, through the territory of India, and Indian government pretended not to see what what's going on. They knew perfectly well. The Indian police knew it. The intelligence department of Indian government knew it. The KGB, of course, knew it. And the CIA knew it. That that was most infuriating because when I defected and I explained to the CIA debriefers, they should watch out because East Pakistan is going to erupt any moment. They said I I, I was I was reading too too many James Bond novels. Anyway, so East Pakistan was doomed. Uh, One of my colleagues in in the Soviet Consulate in Calcutta, when he was dead drunk, he ventured into the basement to, to relieve himself, and he found the big boxes which said printed matter to Dhaka University. Dhaka is the capital of East Pakistan. And since he was drunk and curious, he opened one of the boxes and he discovered not printed matter, he discovered Kalashnikov guns and ammunition in there. Anyway, it's a long story. When I saw the the preparations for the the, uh, invasion into East Pakistan, obviously I wanted to defect immediately. The only thing I couldn't I couldn't at that time uh, make up my mind when and where and how. One of the reasons, of course, you see, I was in love with India, I mentioned it before. I spoke the languages, I socialized with people, and I understood that I had to, to act fast unless I want this beautiful country to be permanently and irreparably damaged by our presence. One of the reasons not to defect was, as you can see, I was living in relative affluence. Who the hell in in the normal mind would defect and do what to be abused by your media, to be called McCarthyist and fascist and paranoid? or to drive a taxi in New York City. What for? What the hell for should I defect? To be abused by by Americans, to be insulted in exchange for, for my effort to bring the truthful information about impending danger of subversion. As you can see, I was living in quite a comfortable conditions next to swimming pool, where Indians were not allowed, by the way. I was highly paid expert in propaganda. I had my family. I was respected by my nation. My career was cloudless. The third reason, how to defect with the family. To defect with the baby and the wife would be virtual suicide because according to law, that hypocritical law which I quoted before, the Indian police will have to hand me over back to the KGB. And that will be the end of my defection and probably my life. Again, I cannot smuggle my wife because she was not quite sure what what I was doing. She was not that idealistically involved, and she was definitely not in in, in the total picture of what I was doing for the KGB. She would be shocked if I if I uh, you know put her in my van and, and drive her to American Embassy or elsewhere. That would be a greatest danger. So again I had to defect in such a way that my defection would look as simple disappearance and there were many cases like that when the Soviet agents simply disappeared either killed in action thanks to their curiosity and, and their close contacts with radicals. Some of them were killed by the Marxists, by the way. <laughs> it happened in many African countries when the Soviet KGB were killed by Africans themselves. Not because they hated Marxist-Leninism, but because they were simply trigger-happy bunch of unruly characters. If you give them machine gun, they will shoot. And some of the Soviets obviously were not careful enough to protect themselves, and they got into embarrassing situations when they were shot at the crossfire between factions of of so-called liberation movements. Anyway, so I I decided, as I said, to study the um, counterculture. I decided this probably would be the best way to disappear. I socialized with characters like this on the left. You see, he's a barefoot American hippie. Uh, it took me quite a long time to study exactly what they were doing and how to mix with them. But eventually I did it. Most of Indian newspapers carried my picture and promise of 2,000 rupees for information about my whereabouts. But they were looking for wrong person because they obviously tried to stop a young Soviet diplomat in white shirt and tie. And th- This is how I looked at the time of defection. Nobody could possibly think that the Soviet diplomat would be as crazy as to join a bunch of hippies. That's you. Tra- yes, travel yeah. India and smoke cash So I made it literally a, a, almost like a Hollywood-style um, detective story. Uh, from under the nose of the KGB in Bombay Airport, I landed the plane, and I flew to, to Greece, where I was debriefed by the CIA.
0: So... That was the opening okay, so that that was uh, and it, believe me the the entire inter- interview is like an hour uh we've got just we've got another another bit to get here, get to here because he talks about the stages of what their next move is, but you understand the process of subversion. he explained it very clearly how they do this, and this is obviously this is just one isolated case involving two to three countries but they're doing the same thing again. You notice he talked about the useful idiots. All these people that we played earlier tonight, those are all useful idiots. Every last one of them. They think that they're going to get a seat at that table. What have I said from the start of this thing? None of them are going to get a seat at that table. None of them. And I don't have to tell you what's going to become of them if this Uh, socialist utopia of theirs comes to pass. Besmanov explained it better than I could.
2: At at the very beginning, he pointed out um, uh, infiltrating the education systems, Hollywood, you know, those kind of things. All the key areas. Um, All key areas, yeah. Um, We haven't had those for a very long time now. You notice he said to stay away
0: from the ideological leftists. Stay away from those people. Aim higher. Go for the ones that are well above that, that are so wrapped up in self-indulgence, self-indulgence, the ones that feel like they matter.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. The ivory tower How many, how many, you got it, how many of those people in Glasgow, Scotland, feel like they matter? How many of them? How many of them feel like- Clearly all of them. (laughs) Because they're there. Exactly. All of these people. This is the big deception. You remember I, you remember I said uh, months ago, I, I said, you people- making these deals with the Chinese Communist Party, those people will gut you like a wild animal. Do you remember me saying that? Mr. Besmanoff is saying that. And you'll hear him explain just a little bit further when we get into uh, his, uh, his stages here of how they do this, exactly what they do to capitalists that go and get in bed with Marxists like this, hardcore Marxists. It doesn't end well for capitalists. It never does. You're thinking profit, profit, profit. And these people want your head on a pike. Do you understand? All of you people down there in Davos, all of you idiots down there wearing your Gucci suits and your uh, uh, and and what your Gucci shoes and and whatever, all of you idiots down there, Schwab included, all of you morons down there, you have no idea who you're in bed with. None. Any points you want to make on that before we get into the the stages?
2: No, all of that was interesting. And it was also interesting to learn about the process for him escaping. It was almost like a like a Hollywood production how he escaped, yeah. how he was describing it. Yeah. But honestly, you, you would have had to have done that to evade the KGB. I mean, mm-hmm. they were so infiltrated, like everything. As he said, they, they were involved in everything. Like they knew all the characters, everybody that was involved. And honestly... And I mind you, who was the head of the
0: KGB at the time that Besmanov was defecting? It was a young man mm-hmm. by the name of
2: Vladimir Putin. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we fast forward to today... How many, how many of you are still on social media? We'll just use that as an example. How many of you have ever used Google to search something? How many of you have, I don't know, maybe Amazon, all of those mediums you can use to identify your political stance, because believe it or not, you as an individual, uh, your ideology and everything, your political leanings, they can find out what your political leanings are just based on the the things you purchase, just based on your buying habits you can find someone's political ideology. So you don't think these corporations that are tracking you can't be used to do exactly as they said? You know, when we uh, do see a Marxist takeover, which eventually they're, gonna do, they're going to try to go to full bore, which they're trying to do right now. But let, let's say in a scenario where they succeed, uh, they have all that data they have all those informants and they don't have to worry about those informants turning on them because all those informants are algorithms. Their, their code. All they have to do is just eliminate the uh, problem individuals. So the stages of
0: subversion. We're going to stop this in between each stage that he describes. If he's going to go in this order, he's going to talk about demoralization, destabilization, crisis, normalization, and then solutions at the end. Now, I want you to, I want you to just stop and think. We're going to, like I said, we're going to pause in between each each point here, and we're going to bring it up to the modern era. We're going to talk about. Where we are now, and if we're seeing anything similar to this. But the way he describes this, it is bone chilling.
1: Ideological subversion is is the process which is legitimate over and open. You, you can see it with your own eyes. All, all you have to do, all American mass media has to do is to unplug their bananas from their ears, open up their eyes, and they can see it. There is no mystery. There is nothing to do with espionage. I know that espionage intelligence gathering looks more romantic. It sells more deodorants through the advertising, probably. That's why your Hollywood producers are so crazy about James Bond type of thrillers, but in reality, the main emphasis of the KGB is not in the area of intelligence at all. According to my opinion, and opinion of many defectors of my caliber, only about 15% of time, money, and manpower is spent on espionage as such. The other 85% is a slow process, which we call either ideological subversion, or active measures, in the language of of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interest of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and it's divided in, in four basic stages. Uh, the first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of of your enemy, exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The result? result you can see most of the people who graduated in 60s, dropouts or half-baked intellectuals, are now occupying the positions of power in the government, civil service, business, mass media, educational system. You are stuck with them. You cannot get rid of them. They are contaminated. They are programmed to think and react to certain stimuli in a certain pattern. You cannot change their mind. Even if you if you expose them to authentic information, even if you prove that white is white and black is black, you still cannot change the basic perception and the logic of behavior. In other words, these people, uh, uh, the process of demoralization is complete and irreversible. To get rid of society of these people, you, have, you need another 20 or, or, or 15 years to educate a new generation of patriotically-minded and and, and uh, common common sense people who would be acting in favor and in the interests of the the United States society. The psychological shock when when they will see in future what the the beautiful society of equality and social justice means in practice, obviously they will revolt. They will will be very unhappy, frustrated people. And the Marxist-Leninist regime does not tolerate these people. Uh, they obviously they will join the links of dissenters mm. dissidents, yeah. uh, unlike in present United States, there will be no place for dissent in, in future marxist leninist america uh, here you can you can get uh, popular like uh, Daniel Ellsberg and filthy rich like Jane Fonda for being dissident for criticizing your Pentagon in future, these people will be simply squashed like cockroaches. Nobody is going to pay them nothing for their beautiful, noble ideas of equality. This they don't understand, and uh, it will be greatest shock for them, of course. This they don't understand, and uh, it will be greatest shock for them, of course. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already uh, for the last 25 years. is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, Even if I shower him with information, with with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he he is going to receive a kick in in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes, his. Then he will understand, but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. So basically, America is stuck with, with demoralization. And unless, even if, if you start right now, here, this minute, you start educating new generation of Americans, it will still take you 15 to 20 years to turn the tide of, uh, of ideological perception of reality uh, back to normal, no, normalcy and, and uh, patriotism.
0: So, stage one, demoralization. Are we there? Have we reached that point? Again, this was given in the early 80s. Have we reached that point? I would say 15 to 20 years. Well, that would put us right in the realm of 9-11, wouldn't it? You had the shock of people. Yeah. Yeah. You had that time to start education. You could change people's way of thinking. We now have an entire generation that's been brought up from that era.
2: We have a generation that was brought up in that era that raised another generation that was uh, so... I think the demoralization, what he was talking about there, happened in the 60s and 70s. Uh, the, at the that kind time, of, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then that generation then had kids, and now those kids are effectively, like, they're Marxists as well. I mean, they're, they're being yep. taught in schools to be Marxist. They're yep. Marxist or have Marxist tendencies. And it, it's, yeah, exactly as he's saying. Uh, when you look at the exit polling that we were talking about with um, uh, Virginia, uh, you see some of that bleeding through there uh the, the demoralization it's critical there it's in the critical race theory was another one that's that's there yeah that's unchallenged so,
0: yeah. that's unchallenged points of view where marxism is introduced in the school system
2: yeah and in the school system it's completely unchallenged uh, i give you an example uh back in the 1960s um we we had prayer in schools and evolutionary thought was taught next to creationism i mean it was the uh, creationism was uh uh, the christian idea of creationism that there was a that there is a god and god created the universe uh those two were taught together well in the 60s that was banned effectively and now there's only been one line of thinking it's not being refuted there's nothing to be brought forward that's refuting that idea that is a foundational point for america the the idea of christianity or or judeo-christian roots that was one of the ways that they pulled that out and brought in the Marxist ideas of uh, basically there is no God and the state should rule, essentially. That, that, I think that was the, the uh, overt beginning point.
0: The useful idiots, what he talked about, people like such as Jane Fonda, right? Hanoi Jane, you know, she's still out there, giving her, uh, g- giving her two cents. She's making a lot of money. She's made a lot of money. A lot of these celebrities are making a lot of money talking about these uh, these points that we're sitting here going over. A lot of these people are. A lot of these hacks in the media are making a lot of money on all this stuff. Uh, a lot of these uh, Hollywood directors, a lot of these corporation heads, you know, Nike, yeah? Companies like Nike, these other companies like Ben & Jerry's, oh yeah, they're making a lot of money. But you know what? What did Besmanoff say? You're going to get squashed like a cockroach. You're not going to have
2: any place... In this new system. Uh, you, to, to add to that point, the Ben and Jerry's bit, there was an interview here recently and they were asked, why are you still doing business in places like Texas? That's against abortion. That's against some of the things that you're saying, like the the anti-Israel stuff. You know what their answer was? Money. Literally, they just sat there and were like, I don't know. Like, that was their answer. They don't know, I don't know why know. they're still their doing it there. Really? That was their answer. I don't know. And, and we all know exactly the reason they're doing it. Money.
0: Money. I did see that somebody asked one of the co-founders, one of the, 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 the guys, uh, I don't know if it was Ben or Jerry or, or whoever it was, but they asked him, and said, with the stance that's being taken in Israel, why are you still selling your products there? And he said, well, that's too big of a market share for us to lose. It, it may, like... <laughs> idiots. They're just, they're just carrying the water. That's yeah. it. That's it. That's it. You don't get a seat at this table if you're the person down on the street who's raw, raw, you know, Marx, blah, 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 Lenin, yada, yada, yada. If you're a person down the street, if you're a corporate head, if you're a director, if you're a politician, if you're a damn Bill Gates sitting in an ivory tower, you don't get a seat at this table. Not even the banks get a seat at this table because they'll go for the banks too. What is rule number one? Right out of chapter one, Das Kapital from Karl Marx, make all banks public. What he mentioned there, about the process of demoralization, these people that we're stuck with, they don't hear you. As in the ones that you can't change their mind, they're already gone. You could hit them with facts, you could hit them with with truths, you could hit them with reality. As he said, you could pick them up, take them over to what was the Soviet Union at the time, take them to a gulag, and they would not believe it. They won't believe it until that military boot comes and stomps on their face. Only then, Will they understand what they have done? We're, we're kind of in that same scenario now, aren't we? I mean, with the twisting in, of reality and making people believe uh, things that are not reality, like the media and the politicians are trying to do and the elite are trying to do, we're already there. We're sitting here every day throwing facts and, and evidence and science and data and reality at these people, but they don't hear you. They don't hear you. They're not going to hear you. It's a dead argument with these people. They're not going to hear it. They have no idea. I Honestly, I, I believe at this point they have no idea what they're doing because they have no idea what they've teamed up with. By what Besmanoff is saying here, these people are going to get chewed up if this is allowed to continue. Our only saving grace at this point would be his solution here at the end. But he, he's not going to get to that quite yet. But his solution there at the end. Next stage, destabilization.
1: The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flabby, doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation, uh, it's, what, what matters is essentials. Economy, foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, And you can see it quite clearly that in some areas, uh, in such sensitive areas as as, uh, defense and economy, uh, the uh, influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I I could never believe it 14 years ago when I landed uh, in this part of the world that the process will go that fast.
0: Destabilization takes two to five years. We're in the window, aren't we? We're destabilized at the moment. He says economy, foreign relations, and defense. We're suffering in all three areas right now, aren't we? Basic needs. The economy. Do I have to tell you what's going on on the two coasts of the United States? What's happening in the southern Mediterranean ports in Europe? Do I have to tell you what's happening in the United Kingdom? I don't think I have to tell any of our listeners what's going on in these places. Our economy is in jeopardy. The elites are cutting off the supply lines because we're not doing what we're told. Of course, they were going to cut them off anyway. The next thing, foreign relations. Afghanistan, need I say more? The deal that the United States, the United Kingdom, and Australia made to cut the French out? Not
2: good for foreign relations, is it? Just as as an American overseas, what is the general imagery of america quite frankly we're we're idiots we're
0: we're laughed at we're uh the root of all evil and if you can think of a a positive thing i have yet to hear one uh so foreign relations have have been that way have been
2: gone for a long time yeah Yeah.
0: not good defense uh our military is being purged right now because of unconstitutional and illegal vaccine mandates
2: well and and because of uh
0: white rage oh yes whatever it was yes yes general yeah that's, that's correct yeah our healthcare system, our, our healthcare systems in our nations. We're two years into this now. They're being told, "Wait a minute, um, you've got to be mandated to to, uh, to take a vaccine, or we're going to fire you." That's part of our national defense too. Having a medical system providing care to our people, to our populations, that's part of our national defense. So they were heroes last year. Now we're throwing them under the bus. Yeah, they're traitors and losers. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. The same traders and losers are the ones that are calling the people that are the actual heroes, traitors and losers. That's, that's, that's amazing. That that's, that's incredible. Everything's backwards.
2: Down is up, up is down. And to his point about, uh, demoralization, it, it demoralization fits in with this destabilization. They're using, uh, for example, you, you can quote facts to them and it just goes in, in one ear and out the other. They don't, they don't hear it. it. Well, our economy, we shouldn't have shut down. Well, if you told them that you were against the science. You, they would not listen to you and your your statistics. They didn't care. You, you tell them that the vaccine for certain age groups is more deadly than the virus. They don't they don't hear you. They don't they don't. It, it, it goes in Naturally one ear and out the other.
0: Naturally Natural immunity. immunity. They don't care. It,
2: it, they don't care. So
0: masks yeah. don't work. They don't care. Social distancing doesn't work. Lockdowns don't work. They don't care. They're gone. They are gone. Okay, uh, two to five years, destabilization, we're in the window. We are destabilized currently. We are destabilized. This is not a time of peace. This is a time of war. You will hear him say that. Okay, so the next stage is going to be crisis. He's going to talk about how long that's going to take. Uh, Well, it takes about that time, right? Two weeks to flatten the curve. Remember that? Yeah, ended up being a month. We've been in crisis ever since, haven't we? So they'll use the crisis to roll us right into the next part of ideological subversion.
1: Uh, the next stage, of course, is crisis. It, it, it may take only up to six weeks to, to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in, in Central America now. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure, and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. Normalization is a cynical expression borrowed from Soviet propaganda. When the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in sixty eight, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation, in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to bring the country to crisis, to promise people all kind of goodies and the paradise on earth, uh, to to destabilize your uh, economy, to eliminate the principle of free market competition, and to put a big brother government in Washington D.C. with the benevolent dictators like Walter Mondale, who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfilled or not. He will go to Moscow to kiss the bottoms of, of new generation of Soviet assassins, never mind. He will create false illusions that the uh, situation is under control. Situation is not under control. Situation is disgustingly out of control. Most of the American politicians, media and ed- Educational system trains another generation of people who think they are living at a peacetime. False. The United States is in a state of war, undeclared total war against the basic principles and the foundations of, of this system. And, and the initiator of this war is not Comrade Andropov, of course, uh, it's, it's the system. However ridiculous it may sound, the world communist system or the world communist conspiracy, whether I scare some people or not, I don't give a hoot. Uh, if, if you are not scared by now, nothing can scare you. But you don't have to be paranoid about it. What, what actually happens now, that unlike myself, you have... Literally several years to live on, unless the United States wake up. The the time bomb is ticking. With every second, the disaster is coming closer and closer. Unlike myself, you will have nowhere to defect to, unless you want to live in Antarctica with penguins. This is it. This is the last country of freedom and, and possibility.
0: Bruce, you were laughing through part of that. Were you finding similarities to where we are now with the normalization process? Actually, yeah, with,
2: with all of it. Crisis uh, mm-hmm. that he brought up there. Yeah. Um, since that interview, there have been many attempts at creating a crisis. Yes. Of which the only one that's really stuck is climate change and COVID. Those are the two that have had the greatest effect. By the way, um,
0: climate change, just on that point, climate change, let, let's just look at where that came from. Since we're on the subject and we're discussing Mr. Uh, Mr. Besmanov's uh, interview here, climate change was actually first proposed in the Soviet Union out of the paper Pravda as a way to take over and
2: communize the world. And uh, that is exactly what we're seeing going on. We have the elite going to Glasgow, doing exactly that. They think they're so important that they're being a hypocrite By consuming large quantities of fossil fuel, emitting large quantities of CO two, and that's all for the greater good, while saying that you, the the peasant, the peon, the nobody, you have to cut your carbon emissions, but we will continue living in our lavish lifestyles because we're the ones pushing for this normalization. Here we are, COVID. This is the new norm. Uh, Fauci has said that multiple times. This is the new normal. You're you're going to have to get used to uh you know no more handshaking wearing masks social distancing that's the new normal um, COVID and then covid passports yeah and then the other thing that he brought out there he pointed out was peacetime um mm-hmm. that's actually uh, that was an interesting thing because 80s 90s kids if you were born in the 80s or 90s you were peacetime kids we were at peace relatively speaking i mean we we did have De- desert storm but if you've watched any any documentaries on desert storm that was a one-sided war we absolutely annihilated the, the Saddam's army at that time, we were relatively peacetime. We didn't enter war again until 2000. So if you were born in 2000, you don't know what it's like to have some of the freedoms and, and interactions that we had as 80s and 90s kids. So it's something was lost there in that. So I thought that was yeah, an interesting thing you yeah, pointed out there too. He said the time bomb was ticking. Well, that time bomb has gone off. I, I will say, I think he's, I think he's a little, um, everything he's saying is correct yeah. but it wasn't like, for example, the crisis one. That was a ticking time bomb, but it took multiple. It wasn't right. just like the right. one. Yeah. The one they did wasn't. It didn't destabilize enough, so they had to do another one. And and you know, because you had the oil crisis, and then we had the wars, and then uh, we we had the riots and stuff that went on. 9/11. And then now, 9/11, yeah, that's what I meant when I with the wars. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, that 9/11. kicked off the war on terror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we went to war. Yeah, we we're in a constant kicked state off, of crisis. War on Constant state of crisis. It and people lost interest in that fairly quick. Um, but they were able to get Big Brother in place, Patriot Act, as an example. And then we had Obama doing the Obamacare, promising things all left and right. Then Trump came in. That was that was a kind of a hiccup in the system. That wasn't planned. That wasn't yeah. It wasn't supposed something to they wanted. No. Um, but now we're 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 back in crisis mode again. And this one is is about COVID and climate change. So. We'll see where it goes if, if they can pull off the normalize that's it everything's over like it's lost at that point if they normalize it
0: numbers in the streets at the moment don't look very promising for them i'm just saying i'm just saying yeah solutions this is extremely important in my opinion solutions because all of these things that he's talking about undeniably undeniably you can see this if you're listening to us you can see this with your own eyes in your own country, wherever you are. You can see this. You can see these people that he's talking about. You know, the ones that don't pay any attention, the ones that are stuck in this feedback loop of insanity that they're in, the ones that are not going to hear anything, the lost generations. You can see them. The states of crisis, the destabilization, the demoralization, the normalization, all there. Just as he said. In the 80s, he said this. Was he a prophet? No. He was on the inside. High-level KGB. If anybody was, was working in, in and around the world to ideologically subvert other nations, it was this guy. He was high up in their propaganda department. You heard him yourself. That's what people like him do. That's what operatives like him would do. But again, this is not coming from Russia. He says the people that have this, uh, the, these schmucks, as he said, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good term. These schmucks, as he said, the ones that'll come to power, they won't be beholden to you. They're going to go straight to Moscow and kiss the bottoms over there. Substitute Moscow for Beijing they'll go straight to Beijing and start kissing ass over there as if they're not already doing it. Or can people not see that at this point? Solutions to this. We've always said, think for yourself. Bruce and I did a podcast once on the structure of socialism. It's a fantastic podcast. It's still in our listings here. Go back and give that a listen. But in there, I remember specifically saying at the end of that podcast, you can go back and listen to it. I remember saying specifically, people have been ideologically disarmed. They've lost the ability to see what is actually happening. You have got to train your mind. You have to think for yourself. You have to self-educate. As late as the hour is, and I believe we're about three seconds to midnight here, as late as the hour is, you still have time. You still have time to learn about what is happening. Besmanov's Solutions.
1: Immediate thing that comes to my mind is, of course, there must be a very strong national effort to educate people in, in, in the spirit of real patriotism, number one. Number two, to, to explain them the real danger of socialist, communist, whatever, welfare state big brother government, if people will fail to grasp the impending danger of that development. Nothing ever can help United States. You may kiss goodbye to your freedom, including freedoms to to homosexuals, to prison inmates, all this freedom will vanish, evaporate in in five seconds, including your precious lives. The second thing, the moment at least part of United States population is convinced that the danger is real, they have to force their government. And I'm not talking about sending letters, signing petitions, and all this beautiful noble activity. I'm talking about forcing United States government to stop aiding communism. Because there is no other problem more burning and and urgent than to stop the Soviet military industrial complex from destroying whatever is left of the free world. And it is very easy to do. No credits, no technology, no money, no political or diplomatic recognition, and of course no such idiocy as grain deals to USSR. The Soviet people, 270 millions of of Soviets, will be eternally thankful to you if you stop aiding a bunch of murderers who sit now in Kremlin and whom President Reagan respectfully calls government. They do not govern anything, least of all such complexity as the Soviet economy. So basic, two, two very simple, maybe two simplistic answers or solutions, but never, nevertheless, they are the only solutions. Educate yourself, understand what's going on around you. You are not living at the time of peace. You are in a state of war, and you have precious little time to save yourself. Um, you don't have much time, especially if you are talking about young generation. There's not much time left for convulsions uh, uh, to the beautiful uh, disco music very soon it will go just just overnight if we are talking about capitalists or, or, or wealthy businessmen they, I think they are selling the rope on which they will hang very soon if they don't stop if they cannot curb the unsettled desire for profit and if they keep on trading with the monster of the Soviet communism they are going to hang very soon and it, they will pray to be killed, but unfortunately they will be sent to Alaska probably to manage industry of slaves. It's, it's simplistic. I know it sounds unpleasant. I know Americans don't like to listen to things which are unpleasant, but I have defected not to tell you the stories about such idiocy as, as microfilm James Bond type espionage. This is garbage. Uh, you don't need any espionage anymore. I have come to talk about survival. It's a question of survival of this system.
0: There is one solution in there that he mentioned that we've talked about before. Well, actually, both of his solutions I agreed with. You must educate yourself. Said that before. Made very strong points to that before. We always advocate for you to self-educate. You must self-educate. That's the only way you're going to learn. You're certainly not going to hear any of this on the television. They've already compromised all of that, as we've covered tonight. On top of that, his other solution... Is quite simple. Stop doing business with communist countries. Period. End of story. Why, in the name of all things that are sacred and holy, are we doing business with communist China? Why have we been doing business with communist China? Why? Why have we been aiding them for 50 years? Why do we recognize? Is cheap. Yeah, labor's cheap. Why do we give them diplomatic recognition? Why do we allow them to have seats on the UN Human Rights Council? Why do we allow them to run the World Health Organization that we pay for? He pointed it out. He pointed it out. These business people, these business people. Yeah, exactly. These business people, they are making the ropes from which they will hang. You business people. All of you woke corporations, all of you idiots down there in Davos with all of your ESGs and all this other crap and crackpot nonsense you've got going on. You are making your own ropes that you will be hung with.
2: That's who you're doing business with. What I don't understand is how do they not see that? I know it fits into some of the other stuff he was talking about there with the uh, demoralization, right? They they get to a point where it doesn't matter what you tell them, they can't see it any longer. Uh, it, it's the same thing that's happened with the uh, quote unquote elite or, you know, the CEOs of these companies and whatnot. We, we've been in that the the demoralization point for so long now that we have multiple generations that have been taught under the Marxist ideas. So now a lot of the corporations are run by Marxists or people that are sympathetic to it i can't say all corporations that way because we do still have some good corporations out there yeah um but we 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 have uh you, you know facebook and, and and so on and so forth they're all uh you know facebook google twitter uh, all of them are given into this idea of of marxism and honestly you want to you want to see who's all given into it look at davos and look at every single person that attended they're all given into it there's another one that would be thrown in there uh, as well. And that's France. The only reason they didn't show up was because of the whole, you know, it's playing appeal. politics. Yeah. 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 Just to kind of close on my, on my thought on all of that, what what he was saying there as far as the solutions, patriotism, that's something that like, I would broaden that and say, not just patriotism, but like education and patriotism kind of meld together because you need to educate yourself on the foundations of America, uh, the Judeo-Christian roots, the the ideas that are given in like, the Constitution and Declaration of Independence, you know, uh, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, you know, the basic ideas and tenets that when you educate yourself on those things will bring forth the patriotism for the country. Because then you realize, actually, our intentions were really good in, in trying to make this country. It will, you know, formulate that patriotism and uh, then teaching the dangers of socialism that also should be part of the, the the educate yourself because we have so many examples now uh to see what's happened when countries go socialist uh, or communist or marxist in general it ends up in millions of dead uh you get the venezuelan diet plan this happens every time so and then yeah uh, stopping the the Support of communist uh, regimes like China, that one should be like that one should be part of like patriotism, because our supporting communism is by moving all our manufacturing over there. We should have manufacturing still here in the United States. So, I mean, you wouldn't be supporting communism in that sense and giving them. food. Uh, yeah.
0: Uh, They're our number one buyer of grain in the world. We've been selling China more grain than any other nation. Just substitute what he talked about with the grain deals we made with the Soviet Union with Beijing. That's
2: all you have to do. As much as I hate that solution to stop, because that means people are going to starve. At the same time, if you don't stop feeding them, then you won't have the people rise up and you won't have the resistance. And they will continue in that and more people will be harmed. So. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, uh, that is, um, unfortunately it's, 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 it's a scenario of World War II. It's either we use the nukes and kill thousands now or millions more will die. Same scenario. Either you do that now and, and thousands die versus, you know. Billions.
0: All right. Today is not going to be one of these fancy outros that I normally do. We're just going to leave this one because this is going to be one of our specials that we're going to re air down the road again because of the importance of all the information we covered here tonight. Now, I understand that we covered some election stuff, but it goes to the larger point. You can't show everything that Bezmanoff was talking about in the modern era without seeing what is being portrayed in the mainstream media now. You saw the agendas and then you saw what he predicted. We're
2: there we are there. It's going to be fun, by the way. If this stuff is still archived uh, like 50 years down the road, this is going to be fun. If it still exists to go back and look at where we are or where we were then, you know, 50 years in the future, looking back to look at where we are now and, and see see what, what, what it's like. I'm, I'm curious where this is going to lead in 50 years. You know, when I'm old and gray, yeah, I'm, I'm curious where things will end up. I don't know, Bruce. We'll see in 50
0: years. I mean, we'll probably still be podcasting if we're still around. So we'll see. (laughs) True.
2: Yeah, we'll see. Well, then it'd be Metacast then. So yeah, that's true. Yeah,
0: that's true. But anyway, like I said, there's not gonna be any fancy outros uh, in this. uh, We're just going to leave this one as it is. So I want to thank you for being here today, Bruce. I want to thank all the listeners for taking the time to sit down and spend the extra time with us today to listen to this important information we brought out today. And everyone have a great evening.